I appreciate very much being here this evening and for the opportunity that uh, we have that you've afforded me that we can study together for a little while this evening. It's good to spend some time with uh, Jane this evening and to get to realize how she's connected with other families. I didn't realize that until I got there and we started talking about uh, her her family. I, I know a lot of her family, and so... Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing of how many people I do know here. You know, sometimes we think that we, maybe we don't know as quite as many, but I know lots of people here and, and have known them through the years and have known your family, and I love and appreciate you so very much, and I've always enjoyed coming and uh, here and uh, being able to worship with you and to study with you for, for a bit. I remember when you were in the old building, the little small building. That was the first meeting I ever held there. And if I remember correctly, Brother Bill Souter was preaching there at that time. Uh, and then later, Phil Cavender and various ones have been there. And then David eventually moved here and been here for, for a good while. And so uh, uh, it's, uh, I've kept up with you all through the years and uh, appreciate it and appreciate what you've done, your growth, your development, and how you've reached out in the community and did your best to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I appreciate that so so very much, and I appreciate the, the time that we get to spend, to get, uh, spend together. Yesterday, we talked about heart condition, and certainly we can have heart condition. Our hearts can become corrupted, and we can separate ourselves from God as the result of the way that we live and lead our lives. But in our morning worship, we noticed a contrite heart, a heart that realizes they're lost and undone state, a heart that's willing to repent and to make things right if we have a contrite heart. And then last night, we noticed a clean heart of how to purify and clean our heart. And the reason that we need to purify and clean our heart is because of sin. We noticed the progressive nature of sin and several things related to that. Tonight, I'd like for us to think about a humble heart and consider some things uh, that's involved if we are humble and loving and caring as we should be in the eyes of God. You know, one of the great problems I think that we face as far as members of the body of Christ, and that is pride and haughtiness. And it's pretty easy for us sometimes because of the country that we live in and some of the things that we enjoy in this nation to become self-sufficient and to become haughty and proud and arrogant. And yet that's not what God wants us to be. That's not how he wants us to act. That's not the kind of heart that he wants us to have. But he, rather he wants us to be of a humble heart. And let's think a little bit about that. For instance, in Philippians 2, he said, let this man be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then in verses 8, that's verse 5, he said, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, I want you to notice that. Now, here's the kind of mind that Jesus had. It was a mind who says that he humbled himself. Now, that's what you and I need to do as well. We need to be a humble people. And if our hearts are proud and arrogant or haughty, then certainly we need to put those things out of our lives. And we need to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God so that we can be servants of his. We need to have this servant mentality. Not that we expect others to serve us, but that we expect to serve God and serve others in our lives. That's the kind of heart that we must have. 
And that's the kind of heart that I want us to think about a little bit tonight. Let's think a little bit, first of all, about the meaning of the term that's used there, where he talked about he was, he humbled himself. There gives this definition of the word, to lower, depress. That's where we get our English word. He says humble. He said one's soul or to bring down one's pride or to have a modest opinion of oneself, to behave in an unassuming manner, devoid of all haughtiness, to confess and deplore one's spiritual littleness and unworthiness. And one of the things I think as you look at this definition, you think about Christ humbled himself. He lowered himself. What did he become? A bondservant? And what did that lead him to do? That led him to give himself upon the cross of Calvary. Now understand that this is the Son of God. This is deity. This, this is deity robed in flesh. And yet he was willing to set aside his prerogatives as deity and become obedient even to the point of death on the cross. But you and I, we obviously need to realize and have a modest opinion about ourselves. We have absolutely nothing to be proud and haughty about. I don't care who we are. We have every reason to be humble and meek and lowly because of who we are. Because all of us sin, all of us fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 10, verse 23. He said, there are none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so all of us have no reason whatsoever to be proud and haughty in life. But we certainly need to have a modest opinion of ourselves. And we need to behave in an unassuming manner, devoid of all haughtiness. Certainly, that's how we need to act in our day-to-day -day lives. Do you realize that being humble and meek and lowly is not a sign of weakness, as some would say? You know, there are some who think that if I am humble, then that's a sign of weakness. No, it's a sign of strength, actually. You go back to the Old Testament in Numbers 12 and verses 3, it said, Now the man Moses was very humble... Some translations say meek. He said more than all men who were on the face of the earth. So now when you think of Moses and the life of Moses, do you think of him being weak? Is that how you think of Moses? No, I, I think of him as being a person who was extremely strong. He's listed in the hallmark of faith. And he talked about the choice that he made. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. What could he have had in life? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Was there power associated with that position? Would there have been wealth associated with that position? Would there have been prestige that would have been associated with being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? All of those things would have been true of Moses, but he was willing to give all those things up and to suffer with the people of God. 
He was concerned about his people. He chose rather to suffer affliction. That was the choice that he made. How many people do you know today, if they had a choice of choosing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, would have chosen that instead of suffering affliction with the people of God? Do you know people in the world today that would have chose, oh, I want to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want to have that power. I want to have that wealth. I want to have that honor that would be associated with such a position as that, but not Moses. That took real strength, didn't it? And so when we think about being humble, it's certainly not a sign of weakness, but rather a sign of strength. It obviously is a trait that's required by God. In 1 Peter 5, beginning in verses 5, he said, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. He said, For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. How many times do you see the word humble? In this text, you see humility and the word humble used twice, so basically three times in this text. He said, Clothe yourself with humility. We understand the ideal of being clothed. You know, we dressed ourselves to come to church services tonight, didn't we? We clothed ourselves with clothing. Well, that's what we have to clothe ourselves with in a spiritual sense, not clothing, but with humility. Be humble of heart. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to humble ourselves, and he wants us to cast all of our cares upon him. That's not feeling self-sufficiency, is it, or being self-sufficient, but it's recognizing the need that we have for God. God resists the proud but he gives even more grace to the humble. He bestows his grace upon those that are humble. So we see then what the meaning of it is. And obviously it's something that is extremely needful among the people of God. You know, the Bible tells us that pride leads to destruction. He said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Do people who are proud and haughty, does it usually lead to their destruction? If not in this life, when they stand before God, they'll be destroyed eternally because of their pride and because of their arrogance. And so he warns. In Proverbs 18, in verses 12, he said, before, uh, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. The haughty person is the person that will be destroyed by God. But yet he said before honor, he said it's humility. God honors those who are humble and who are humble servants of his. And so honor is bestowed upon them as a result of their attitude of heart. That's the kind of heart that we have to have. Notice this example of a person who is haughty being destroyed. 
Now, we understand. You have to go back to Daniel chapter 4. You see the destruction of Nebuchadnezzar and what God says to Nebuchadnezzar. But here he's talking to, to Belshazzar. And here he says that uh, Nebuchadnezzar would be his father, actually would be his grandfather. Nabonidus would be Belshazzar's father. But. And the word father, if you look it up, and of course in the Hebrew it simply meant could, could mean father, but it also can mean ancestor, which it would be an ancestor here. But now you remember that Belshazzar sees the handwriting on the wall. And he wants the interpretation of that, and he sends for Daniel. And Daniel's going to give him the interpretation of that which he's seen, of how he's going to be humbled and how he's going to be destroyed. But he reminds him of what happens to his grandfather before that. He said, O king, he said, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father, an ancestor, as I said. He said, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. He said, and because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. He said, whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Pride goes before destruction. This man was lifted up with pride. He's walking about at night and he looks out over the kingdom and he thinks that how, what he's done, all of this is because of me, Nebuchadnezzar says. Did God show him who it was because of? Did he humble that haughty spirit? Did he make him eat the grass of the field and live among the animals of the field? Did he get wet night or day? And the answer to that is yes. So you can see then what a haughty spirit can do in the lives of individuals. It can destroy a person. The Bible tells us that the Lord hates pride. He said, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. I've always found this so interesting. What's the first thing that he says? The very first thing, a proud look. This haughty spirit that some people have. He said, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. God hates those sins in the lives of individuals. And as I said earlier, we have nothing for which to be proud and haughty. But we have every right to be humble, meek, and lowly. That's the kind of heart that God wants. In Proverbs 8, in verses 13, he said, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate, God says. Pride and arrogance and every evil way. Surely we can see that God despises that sin in the lives of individuals. Pride and arrogance and haughtiness. 
Have you ever run across somebody that, that pretty well defines or describes? When I was preaching in Nashville, I went to visit this guy one day. And he started telling me how he would make some church a really good member. And I'm thinking, well, not until you change your attitude. And so he showed me his ring that he had on, and he showed me that he had a Rolex watch, and he talked about his job and the farm that he owned and all the material possessions that he had, and he was pretty proud and arrogant. And I left kind of shaking my head. Wow. And as far as I know, he's still in the world if he's still alive. And he had a brother who was extremely wealthy, who was a member of the church there when I was preaching there, was one of the most humble, meek, and lowly guys that you'd ever see. And he didn't trust in his wealth and his riches and was willing to share it with other people. It's amazing the difference in some people's lives. But you see, the Lord hates this proud and haughty attitude. He talks about the blessing that actually comes as a result of being humble. He said, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Do you realize that wisdom is really being humble? If I'm humble, I'm wise because that's what the Lord wants me to be. But with pride comes shame. It comes and leads to destruction. But it's the humble who is, gains wisdom. You know, the humble person is the person, and we'll notice this in just a little bit, is the person that you can teach. It's the person that recognizes the needs that they have. It's not the person who is self-sufficient and is haughty, but it's the meek and the lowly. And it's the person that has a desire to know and to understand God's word, God's law. He said, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. You know, usually when you and I look at verses like this, what is it that we think of? But he's talking about our riches and honor in life. We usually think of material riches. But I don't really believe that's what this is talking about. I believe the riches that he's talking about here and the honor in the life is that of enjoying a relationship with God and the riches of the spiritual blessings and the wealth that we have as a result of being servants of the Lord. Those are the things that he promises us. You know, I can be humble and may not ever have any material blessings, but I can have spiritual blessings as a result of being humble. We'll talk about this one night, the contented heart being content with the things that I have, the hope that I have of living eternally with God. You know, those are all things that are great blessings that we possess. But it's the blessings that we receive as a result of being humble. He said, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted, Jesus says in Luke 14 in verses 11. Want to be lifted up by God? Want to be honored by God? Want to have God's grace and mercy and blessings upon us? Then what we have to do is to be humble, be humble of heart. 
There's the blessings that would be associated with being humble. As I mentioned just a moment ago, the humble heart is the heart that's teachable. We recognize that we need to be taught. We recognize that we don't have all knowledge concerning the word of the Lord. We recognize that other people can share things with us that would be of great benefit to us and we're willing to listen. In Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3, he said, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Now notice what he says that he did here. He says to humble you and test you. He said to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You don't have to look at verses like that. Did God not know that? Well, I think God knew that. But do you know who didn't know that? They didn't know that. You know, sometimes we need to be made aware of our own hearts and our own life. And sometimes it's when we are humbled and tested by God that we realize what's within us and how God really sees us and the changes that we need to make in our lives. It only comes sometimes when we're tested and when we're tried and when we're humbled. How will I react and what will I do? You want to really know yourself? You'll not really know yourself when everything's going good all the time. But if you really want to know yourself and what you are spiritually, it's when problems come and trials come. That's when you'll really know yourself. How you'll react and what you'll do. He said, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Is this what he was doing with them? Was he teaching them great lessons? The sad thing is that a lot of them didn't get that lesson. They constantly murmured against God. Often wondered, would we have done anything else? Would you murmur, complain, if the only thing that you had to eat every day was manna and water? It's, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Really? Let me give you a little illustration. Something happened to me just recently. We've been studying Bible authority with four young people at church services, seven and a half, for a good little bit. And we usually go out to eat, take, the, take them out to eat or have them at the house and have a meal with them. And so we went and got some barbecue and had barbecue and potato salad and coleslaw and baked beans and various things. And the ice storm hit, and they couldn't come over. So now, what, you know what I ate about four or five days in a row? I'm going to tell you, I got so tired of seeing barbecue, I didn't want to see any more for a while. Well, what about you? Would you get tired of that? Well, what about manna every day? Put yourself in their position. And before you condemn them, think about 
what you would do if you were placed in that position. But all of us need to be taught by God that man shall not live by bread alone. We need to be taught that, need to understand that, how much we need God. And so the humble heart is the heart that is teachable, that we can teach and be taught. Notice the words of the psalmist. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 67. Verse 71. He said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. See, that's when things really mean something to us when we are afflicted and when things are not going like we want them to go. It's the person who has been humbled that gets those lessons, that understands the things that God wants us to see. You know, we take a vacation occasionally and about a week pretty well all I can handle on vacation. I'm ready to get home. Sibby and I went out to Mount Rushmore one year. We planned to stay two weeks. We made it one week, and we got up on Monday morning, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I said, uh, I sure miss home. I said, do you? Yeah. I said, you ready to go home? Boy, all I wanted her to do was say yes. She said yes, and we headed out. So we came back home. But you know why I miss home so bad? My office is there. My books are there. And I miss being in my office. And I miss studying the Word of God. And spending time there. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate things until they're taken from us. Health? Do we take that for granted? My mother had dementia. I watched her deteriorate the last several years of her life. You're talking about hard. That's hard to me. To see that and to watch that. She was just the shell of the woman that she had been as I grew up. But it's then at those times that you realize how much you need God. And the psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Look at the good result of being afflicted. See, there are good things sometimes that come from bad things in our lives. Do they humble us? Are we more easily taught by God, the word of God, when those kind of things happen to us in our lives? Well, yes. Look at the example of Mary. He said, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Would you call her humble? She was such a humble person that she was willing to sit and to listen. Martha was busy about much serving. But Mary was of humble spirit 
and wanted to hear the Lord. Now notice how humble and meek she really was. So then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hairs and the house was filled with fragrance of the oil. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine someone lowering themselves, some woman lowering herself and using her hair to wipe his feet once they had been anointed? Was she humble? Was she meek? Was she lowly? But where do we find her early there? In, in Luke's account, we find her sitting at the feet of Jesus. We find that she's a humble, meek person that wanted to hear the word of God. That's why it's so important for us to be humble and meek and lowly. Because they're the people that can be taught. You know, a humble heart is an obedient heart as well. Notice what the Lord requires in Micah 6 and verses 8. He said, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Here he says to do justly, that we're just. We treat people fairly. We're righteous and holy and upright. We're willing to show mercy to other people, and yet we walk humbly with our God. We're a humble and meek and lowly people, not proud and arrogant and haughty. The word walk, of course, is of a moral and religious life, according to Brown, Driver, and Briggs in their Hebrew-English lexicon. We understand that. Walk is not talking about just literally walking, but it's the way that we live and lead our life. We walk humbly with our God. That's what he requires. Paul says from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, he said, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me, by the plotting of the Jews. I find it interesting as well in the Corinthian letter, he talked about the thorn in the flesh that was given to him. Lest he be exalted above measure because of the abundance of revelation that he had received. It seems that God wanted to make sure that he wasn't proud and arrogant and haughty and that he was lifted up because of the position that he had been placed in by God and because of the abundance of revelation that was given to Paul and that he communicated that to other people as well. But he was a humble servant and he humbly served the Lord. And as he humbly served him, he obeyed him and he did everything that he was told to do. Our text he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Some translation says that he emptied himself. He didn't stop being divine. He didn't stop being deity. 
But he emptied himself of the divine prerogatives and became a bondservant. He said, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane praying, he said, Father, if it's possible, he said, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's what a humble heart will do. A humble heart will, whatever the Lord requires of me, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to submit myself to the Lord. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. See, a humble heart is an obedient heart. But a humble heart is also one that's gentle as well. Those that come to Jesus, he says here, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me and learn, he says, from me. What do I learn from him? I learned that I need to be gentle and lowly in heart. Kind and gentle. How does gentleness manifest itself? How do you show gentleness around other people? The person that's in front of you, he cuts you off in traffic. You're gentle? Kind? The waiter or waitress that's a little slow. Still kind? Gentle? Is that what you manifest? I must confess, I have to work at that. Not with the slow waitress, but the fellow that cuts me off in traffic. Most of us usually don't appreciate that, do we? But we still have to be kind and gentle to other people. He said, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he said. Paul's instruction, he said, I therefore, if the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. Lowly, humble, and gentle. He said, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When I think of a humble spirit and a gentle spirit, there's a picture that I can see in my mind that I always put there by that. We have a member of the church there in Lewisburg, and I've known this lady for years. She's made sure several years ago that when she passes from this life, she wants me to preach her funeral. And I may pass before she does. We just don't know that. And she's made sure that what Tony, one of the elders there, that he and I, as we preach her funeral, she wanted to make sure that we took care of that for her. But she is the most humble, meek, kind, and gentle person that I've ever seen in my entire life. If I ever thought that anybody could be saved by their personal righteousness, it would be her. But I know that's not possible. 
but that's the kind of person she is. We got to go see her last week, Tuesday, for the first time that we in a year. We've talked to her. We read the Bible to her on the phone. We pray with her on the phone. We do all those things. But that's the first time we've got to lay eyes on her. I was visiting with her one time in the nursing home when her husband was still living. There was a guy come in who was playing country music. He called it honky-tonk music. He invited her to go down to listen to him play. He was a neighbor of hers to play honky-tonk music. And I guess that's the loudest I ever heard her get. I could see that that upset her just a little bit. But you would not know that in what she says. She looked at him and she says, I won't be coming to listen to any honky-tonk music. And she said, you shouldn't be down there playing it either. She said, what you need to be doing is singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that's how she responded to him. In the kindest, most gentle voice that you could ever possibly hear. Humble. Kindness. Gentleness. I didn't have to say a word. She took care of that for me. But that's the kind of person that she is. Gentle but courageous as well. He said, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, but able to teach. Patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. See, I am to be humble and meek and kind and gentle, but still I have to be able to say what needs to be said in the right way. Being humble doesn't mean that I just simply take everything and accept everything that comes down the pipe. He said, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. It's the humble, kind, and gentle person that can teach others the truth. But you see, that's what humility is all about. One other point, the lesson will be yours. The humble heart is the heart that is one that would pray to God as well, or prayerful. That's what the scripture teaches. God's word to Solomon. In 2 Chronicles 7, you remember Solomon has just completed the temple now, built the temple. He's offered sacrifice to it, and then the Lord speaks to Solomon in this text. Then the Lord appears to Solomon by night and says to him, he said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. He said, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, how many times have you seen that verse on billboards recently? You've seen that, haven't you? But does the humble person that will humble themselves, do they pray to God? Do they seek God's forgiveness? See, it's the humble person, the humble of heart, that is willing to pray. You realize that prayer is an act of humility? 
It's an act of humility. In Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4, he said, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed. If you look up the word overwhelmed in Hebrew, it can be defined as humble. That's part of the definition of it. He said, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings, Selah. Now, I understand that little word, Selah, is a musical note that tells you to pause and to consider what's just been said. Pause. Consider what's been said. Prayer is an act of humility. That I bow myself before my creator, maker. I realize my need for him. And how little and how insufficient I really am in life. The humble heart prays to God. Pride is the great hinderer. He said the wicked in his proud countenance does not Seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Remember Pharaoh? Who is the Lord that I should let these people go? Did God show him who he was? He showed him exactly who he was. And he eventually let the people go. But it led to his destruction. But you see, the humble heart is the heart that prays. So now, how would you consider yourself this evening? Would you consider yourself a humble, meek, and lowly person that recognizes that you're not all sufficient, that you need God and you need God's help and blessing? That you're willing to seek the forgiveness that is offered through the blood of the blood of the Lamb? You know, we talked about yesterday, very few times in the scriptures did we find people that would say that I've sinned. They are a few times. It's the humble of heart that can say that I've sinned and I've failed, failed you. I've never quite understood why it is so hard for some of us to say some of the English words. It's not that they're hard to say or pronounce. Sawyer and Matt asked me, did I know Russian yesterday? And I said, I don't know English very well, so, and I don't. So. But there are some words that are hard for us to say, it seems like. What about, I've sinned. I'm sorry. I love you. Why are those so hard to say? Do you realize why they're so hard to say? Because of pride and arrogance. That's why. If I'm humble, they're not hard for me to say. And so if you're humble of heart this evening and you're lost and undone in an undone state before God, you'll want the forgiveness that is offered through the blood of Christ. So if you believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, repent of your sins, confess your faith that he's Lord, then certainly we'd be glad to baptize you in water for remission of sin. If you've done those things and not live faithfully, then you'll repent of those things that you're guilty of. 
You'll confess them to God and pray and ask for his forgiveness. We'll pray with and for you. The Lord will forgive you. The Lord will cleanse you. So if you're here this evening and you're subject to the Lord's invitation in any way, we hope that you will come forth. Let your wishes be made known as we stand together to sing this hymn. Won't you come, please?